Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. Hey, as we continue our story, uh, our our series on This Is My Story, um, I'm reminded of uh, just the beautiful stories that have come from each of the pastors uh, as to their calling. Uh, but I also want to step back and recognize that each of you have stories that though they might not end in a, a, sto- a calling to pastoral ministry, I truly do believe that you have a calling. That each and every one of us steps into a calling that God has placed onto our lives And oftentimes that just means to say yes to what God is leading you to right now. Right now. What is God leading you into? As as I've been preparing kind of this message for the last two weeks, uh, because (laughs) the week before it got canceled, um, just be be aware when you give a a pastor two weeks to prepare for a sermon, uh, they just start adding stuff throughout the week because the Lord just keeps bringing stuff. So who knows where this is going? Uh, but uh, last night I was, uh, I was honored to be able to, to be at the Astros game when, and see our chancel choir uh, sing. I'm pretty sure that, that this, later this week we're going to get a call for a, a contract so that they can hire them after that 17-4 to 4, uh, beating. Um, some good luck charm there for sure. The, the Holy Spirit was with the Astros in that space for sure. So, so church, as, uh, as we kind of dive into my story... Um, I truly believe that uh, God called me at a young age, but I didn't necessarily recognize it until much later. I recognized that, that in every step of my story, God was already ahead of me. And as we look back on our own stories, I, 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 I truly believe that you probably see that too in your own life. So we'll, we'll lean into that a little bit later, but I want to just kind of introduce you to myself uh, and some of the, the background, some of the things that helped to raise me a little bit. So uh, I got a couple pictures up here just to, <clears throat> to kind of lean into that. Uh, Church, you have been a part of my story ever since the very beginning. You have, uh, for the last, uh, see, 11 years that I've been here, almost 12 years, uh, I have been uh, serving as youth pastor or pastor in some capacity. This is a, a picture of of my uh, very first Easter here, uh, where this is my, this is my first, because we came right after Easter, and so this is Kate at just over one years old, uh, praising God at Town Center. And, uh, and since, since that day, we have raised our, families, our family here. Uh, our, the children's ministry has meant the world to us. Thanks, thanks be to God for all of you who have served in some capacity in the children's ministry because um, you have done an incredible job of, of raising and fostering um, these kids in faith and reinforcing the, th- the messages that are taught at home. 
And so thanks be to God. Uh, go ahead and show the next one. <clears throat> this, is, uh, this is my adult siblings. Um, this is uh, me and my little brother, Bennett. Little brother, Bennett. Uh, my, my sister, Emma, who is adopted, um, her story has taught me so much about the gospel. Um, what a beautiful thing. And then my older brother, Jake, who you'll hear a little bit more about um, throughout our time together. But uh, in, in, my, in my household, uh, my uh, brothers and I were, uh, they raised me to be competitive. Let's just say that. Um, every inch of our uh, upbringing was a struggle, a fight for uh, our little corner of the pie. Uh, probably the best example of that is uh, we, would get, we would eat cereal every morning, but we wouldn't get the sweet, good sugar cereal very often. And so when we did, um, I always found myself with about a half a box left, taking, after all the kids had left, taking the half a, half a box, half a bag, hiding it underneath the bran flakes that my parents ate, and, uh, and sneaking, sneaking that throughout the rest of the month for myself, right? You kind of have to do that when you're uh, raised in a, a group of, um, of hungry, competitive boys. Uh, and so, so I found myself and my parents found us very busy. Uh, going from here to there, from sports to, to theater stuff, from my sister, from all over the place. But they always, they always made time for church. Church was, uh, was a priority in our household. Every Wednesday we were there, every Sunday we were there. I didn't, I didn't just know that my parents loved Jesus because they took us to church, but because of their extravagant generosity in other areas of their lives. I think I have a picture up here of my parents as well. Yes, there it is. Uh, this is my dad, Jim, and my mom, Kim. Uh, yes, Jim and Kim. Uh, but they, they were always involved in, the, in church, not just not just bringing us to church. They, they found ways to plug in and to get involved. They led a small group, a small group that met at our house. Um, and so every week we saw them ministering to people and we saw, them, uh, we saw the love of God happening in our home, a small church happening in our home. They took people in who had kind of fallen on hard times and uh, allowed families to live in our house um, and I got to see the extravagant generosity and, um, and learn what it means to, to give up some of my toys uh, so that someone else could have theirs. They faithfully gave every time the plate came around. Now, they weren't perfect, but um, what they did is they, they showed an example, a priority of what it meant to be a follower of Christ through their ex- extravagant generosity of their, of their lives. Uh, one, one, one image that is, is sunk in my head uh, a moment in, in my life where I really feel like God was doing something that I couldn't, I, I really haven't ever been able to, to put uh, adequate words to. Uh, a day in middle school, I came down, I couldn't sleep um, early, kind of early in the morning. It was about 5 a.m. and I remember coming downstairs. And I remember all the lights in the house were dark. Uh, this is me. This is middle school me. Yeah. The middle, one in the middle. What a stud. Right? Uh, but I remember coming downstairs, all the lights were dark, except for one light. There was a lamp lit in the middle of the room, and I saw my dad sitting in that chair with his Bible open, reading the Word of God. I didn't disrupt him, but, but there was something in that moment, something that, that told me that the Bible was real, something that told me that there was value in this thing, that there's that this, this thing was the, the center, it was priority, it was so important. And for that, from that day on, the word of God has had a, 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 
priority in my life. It has molded me, it has shaped me, it's, it's been a better teacher than any sermon that I've ever been in, than any seminary I've ever stepped foot in. It, the word of God is, is alive and active, and that I, I saw that in my life. It's these small moments sometimes that infused with the Holy Spirit can change the outcome, the course of our lives. As I look back on my story, there's a, a passage of scripture that uh, I think speaks to how God has been actively moving and working in my life. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2, chapter 14, Paul is, is talking to the church in Corinth and he writes this letter. He says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. He uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of God everywhere. This passage tells the story of a rebel heart who God took captive by the gospel, by a greater story than I could ever write. And he leads me into every season of my life in triumph. He has been there before I could ever step there and he's been there in victory. And he uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. What a beautiful story. This is my story. Oftentimes, oftentimes that triumphal procession didn't feel like triumph. Oftentimes that triumphal procession felt maybe like heartbreak in, in the moment. It felt like a broken dream in the moment, but as we look back in retrospect, we see God's hand in every step. So I want to tell you just a, a few of the key moments that led to me understanding and really stepping into the call to ministry. It began, uh, I, I became a, a, a follower of Christ, an actual follower of Christ my sophomore year of high school. Uh, I knew all about the faith. I knew about what it, what it means to be a Christian, but I didn't make it my own until I went to, uh, to camp my, uh, my freshman year, summer after my freshman year. And it became this, this uh, place where I took on my own faith. I, I understood what Jesus had done for me, and I stepped into that. I'd read all about it, but it came from my, went from my head to my heart in that moment, in, the, in that space. That same year, my, uh, my older brother, Jake, um, he began to lead a Bible study. Not something that the youth pastor told him to do, not a program out of the church, but he felt a, a call in his life to, to go and, and grab, grab a bunch of his friends and say, hey, let's dive into the Word together. Really simple. And, uh, and so I stepped into that Bible study because uh, I didn't have anything else to do, and uh, he was my ride, and so, um, so he brought me along. That, uh, that same year, I, um, I played soccer and I played tennis, and I was, uh, I was set to make varsity as a, as a sophomore because all of the, 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 the varsity team was all seniors the year before, and so I was so excited to step into uh, to varsity tennis. And um, my coach, before uh, we left for vacation on spring break right before, he told me one thing. He said, Clint, don't get hurt. Whatever you do, don't get hurt. And so I'm like, of course not, coach. There's no way I would ever get hurt because uh, I'm invincible, right? And so, um, so we go skiing uh, on spring break, and uh, I'm, I'm being very cautious going through the moguls and over jumps. And, um, 
and I, uh, I hit a patch of slush coming out of the moguls, jumping off the mogul into, uh, into the, the rest of the snow. I hit a, a patch of, of slush and topple end over end right onto my collarbone and snap it in two. Not a great place uh, as you're uh, going to play tennis this next, in, in the next week. And so what was going to be a, a great uh, spring became the spring of the most loneliness in my life. Because my world revolved around sports, competition. That's all that I wanted. I, was, I wanted to be active and doing things, and that's where all my friends were. And so for a whole semester, I found myself coming home from school to nothing. But my brother had started this Bible study. And I found that as I was reading the word, God was revealing new things to me every time I opened up scripture. God was making this, this Bible, this thing, alive and active in my life. And so for that season, I came home and I, all I wanted was to read the word. And it began this, this, uh, this season of, of falling in love with scripture on a new level. Seeds of calling were being placed in my life in that season. The next, uh, the next year, my brother graduated and handed off the Bible study to me and said, hey, it's yours now. This is my legacy. Don't screw it up. <laughs> I did. It, uh, it failed. But, uh, <laughs> but in that season, it was, uh, I understood that God, uh, looking back, I see seeds of calling happening and that God is preparing me every step of the way. Sometimes it takes God breaking your dreams in a season for you to step into his dreams for the next season. So I went off to college. Uh, all I wanted to do when I went to college was to be somebody. I wanted to, to make a lot of money. Uh, I, wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be able to provide my own box of Lucky Charms so I didn't have to hide it in the bran flakes anymore, right? My... My, I felt like my calling was to, to serve Jesus in the workplace, to be an evangelist in the workplace, to make as much money as I can so that I could give as much money as I could to the church. Friends, there's nothing wrong with that calling, amen? <laughs> I truly believe that, that God uh, did call me to that in that season because he was leading me into something else. So I went to college, got a business degree, um, and uh, my, after my freshman year, kind of my year, my summer of play, I went uh, to be a, a, a counselor at a summer camp, the same summer camp that I came to, to know Christ. And after uh, two months of, of being mom, dad to these 10-year-old kids, being the, the cool uncle and the disciplinarian, um, being the one that counsels them as they are uh, struggling with homesickness, uh, that changes the bed after they've wet it because they're so exhausted they can't even wake up in the night, at night. Um, uh, uh, what some would say is a miserable experience. I found myself uh, so exhausted by this experience after two months going 24-7 nonstop that my, my body completely shut down that summer. Like I, I got what they call the camp crud um, and I was 105 fever. I couldn't get out of bed. I was stuck in the infirmary. But there was something about that, that experience. I had more joy on that bed in the infirmary than I 
than I'd ever felt in my life. Because I knew, because God was speaking into my life and, and I knew that the energy that was spent in that space during that summer was eternal. That the seeds that were planted, would, would, God would continue, even after they had left camp, God would continue to, pour, to, to, uh, to mature those. The work that had been done was eternal. And so I came home from camp with a, a new call on my life as God said, this is what I've called you to. So I began to ask, and, uh, ask my, uh, my mentors, ready to change my major and go into a religion major. And they said, no, uh, that's not right. Um, you've been called to this. You can learn ministry. But what a lot of youth pastors fail at is they don't know the business side of things. They don't know how to, to deal with the... Um, the details and the, the finances and the, the management of people. And so um, I continued in my business degree. And for three years, I learned how to manage people, principles of marketing and sales. Now I get to sell Jesus. <laughs> Leadership and consulting. Now I get to look at big problems and say, okay, how do we, how do we attack that? How do we how do, message with the gospel? How do we, uh, how do we move forward in this? Problem solving and leadership, accounting and financial responsibility. Only God, only God can use our own selfish ambition in a season to uniquely equip us for the next step in our journey. I truly believe that God was active and involved in every part of that. I started applying for jobs and uh, no one would give this, this, uh, this little uh, no experience business major an opportunity, but I uh, a church in Texas, even after I'd told Abby, uh, you know, I just don't see myself as a Texas person. <laughs> Growing up in Kansas City, I had some, some Highland Park roommates, um, and, uh, you know, I just, just, that just wasn't me, you know? Uh, but God has another story as he brought me uh, to Livingston, Texas. I was uh, interviewing and, uh, and, uh, for these places, and they, they called me up and said, hey, we would like for you to come and do an, interview, and do a, an in-person interview, and... Uh, they said, I want, we want you to lead a Bible study for us. And I was like, oh, yeah, got that prepared all the way back in high school. And we want you to, uh, to lead worship for us. And I was like, lead worship, huh? Uh, thankfully, uh, I had picked up the guitar my sophomore year of high school. Not to, to lead worship, but to pick up chicks. Um, <laughs> that didn't work. Maybe I should have tried the ukulele. Uh, <laughs> And I'd actually been singing and playing the guitar quite a bit because I was in uh, our fraternity's Greek god pageant. Uh, I'm sure there's some pictures floating around, and thanks be to God, I think they're all gone. Uh, they'll never see the light of day. Uh, but I was uh, preparing uh, to sing and lead uh, as I was um, singing Wonderwall by Oasis in front of the whole uh, student body. Um, still my karaoke jam, for sure. But I step into that. And God had already been preparing me to, for that interview way ahead of time. Fast forward, um, I've been, uh, I was student ministry for 13 years. Livingston United Methodist gave me a chance and helped me to learn and to grow. For the last nine years, for nine years I spent in youth ministry here. Been here for 11 years and um, church, you, you have seen me grow up in ministry from a curly-headed little, little kid uh, to probably still just a little kid. 
But every step of the way, you've been so gracious to me. Every step of the way, you have let me make mistakes and learn and grow. Every step of the way, you've encouraged me and loved my family so well. Uh, I, I cannot say thank you enough. I think one of the greatest gifts of this congregation is that you encourage well. You encourage well. And so continue to do that. I know that there are people in this room that all they need is just encouragement. Be an encouragement to one another as you always have been to me. The final chapter of my story, um, well, I guess the latest chapter of my story because God is continually rewriting my story because uh, I'm a work in progress was in 2019. Um, I felt pretty beat up. Um, I, ministry was getting really hard and um, I genuinely considered going back to business, back to, uh, to my first understanding of my call. And God met me on the, on the bank of the Sea of Galilee as I had the opportunity to go to the, to the Holy Land uh, to help lead a trip with Bert. Uh, I think some, some people in this room might have been on that trip. And God met me at this, the, a spot called the, the Primacy of Peter, which they, they believe that, um, that Peter was called into ministry. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so I started uh, reading in, uh, that passage and uh, hearing that, those words, and I opened my Bible uh, to John chapter 21, as, as, I, as I opened up, was looking for that passage, follow me, make me fishers of men, and the very first calling of Peter. And, um, but I ended up in, in the end of John, where Jesus has another conversation, very similar, on the bank of the Sea of Galilee. And he brings him in and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, of course I love you. He says, then go and feed my sheep. You see, Peter had denied Jesus. He had gone back to his original calling to be a fisherman. And Jesus was calling him into something deeper. And three times he says, Peter, do you love me? And feed my sheep. He was restoring him in that moment and giving him a new calling. At the end of that passage, he says, feed my sheep, very truly I tell you, that you were younger, when you were younger you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to. Now you're a captive. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death that Peter would glorify God with. And then he told him, follow me. I heard in that moment, in, those, in that space, on the, the, the sacred space of the Sea of Galilee, come and follow me, but it's going to look a little bit different. Instead of, feed, instead of uh, making you fishers of men, I'm going to make you feed my sheep. God was restoring my call in that space in a profound way. See, there's a difference between making you fishers of men and, and feeding my sheep. In Ephesians, Paul understood this when he said, 
So Christ gave himself, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Church, I believe that God's new calling in my life is to feed his sheep, to be a a, a mentor and to be a, a pastor to a congregation of people to equip so that you might go into the work, into the fields of ministry, so that you might go into the world and minister. For my story, three things I think, um, I think as I distill it, as I look back. First, the word of God is primary. It ought to lead us to the heart of God. It ought to, um, it ought to be foundational in our understanding of faith. If we cannot lean on the word of God, then who are we as a people? Number two, if you're pursuing him, then he has already been to the places he is calling you and has already been victorious in those spaces. I truly believe that. And I think we are called into trusting that the season that we're in is to prepare us for what he has before us, but he's already been there. And finally, our greatest call is to love God and to follow in his footsteps. Come and follow me today, right now. Follow me into the things that I'm leading you. Just be faithful to what God is calling us to. So I wanna leave you with a question. A question that I think we ought to all process is where is your ministry? And how can I As a shepherd to sheep, how can we as pastors support you in your ministry? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let's pray. God, we give thanks and we honor you uh, because you are the leader and you are the guider of our faith. And so God, I just pray uh, in this space that you would would call someone into uh, a greater and deeper faith today. That today would be a, a moment of, of calling into someone's life that, that says, uh, that, that thing that I've been leading you to, the obstacles that you have been afraid of, I've already taken care of them. I've already gone before you in victory. God, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you assure us of your presence? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. As we take communion today, Um, we recognize that Christ meets us in this space. And so as we take of the the cup and the bread, um, these are are acts of God's grace in our lives. Um, There will be communion stations at the front and in the, uh, at the front and in the back, there's a gluten-free station at both places. uh, And we'll be taking communion via intinction, which just means um, you'll receive uh, the bread of life, the body of Christ, And you will uh, dip that into the cup of forgiveness, the blood of Christ, um, as you come forward. If you'd like to spend some time at the the altars, um, you can do that as well. So Holy Spirit, 
Would you pour out your presence on these common elements of bread and cup? And would you make them for us the body of Christ redeemed by your blood so that we as Christ's church might go into the world unified uh, as the body of Christ, redeemed by your blood for the work of ministry. God, would you unify us? Would you strengthen us? Would you equip us through this sacrament, through this, this work of grace? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.